Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Pleasing their families is more important to the characters of Pride and Prejudice than pleasing themselves. What do you think about this statement? This is true of the characters in Jane Austen's novel. Well, today I'm going to unpack a little bit about how to approach this kind of essay question and what kind of things we could draw out about the social, cultural, historical context um, from the different characters we have. Now, I think a really good place to start with this question is by looking at some of the female characters. We have Jane, Charlotte Lucas and Elizabeth Bennet. And all three of them are in a similar situation of needing to marry. Um, this is because, obviously, at the time, there is no real other way for a middle class woman to um, earn a respectable income other than perhaps being a governess. Um, and that wasn't really a very desirable job. Um, I think uh, one famous writer described being a governess as be- like being a slave. Um, you know, basically you you are paid, but you're living in the house. You don't get a break um, and it can be pretty relentless. So getting married is seen as the answer to a lot of young women's problems um, back in those times. And obviously for their families, um, a priority is finding eligible partners. And obviously the book famously begins with Mrs. Bennet um, describing to Mr. Bennet how important it is that Bingley has moved into the neighbourhood. Um, and she says, you know, it, it, you must know that I'm thinking of his marrying one of them. Uh, a man of four to five thousand a year, an eligible bachelor. Of course, this is perfect in Mrs. Bennet's eyes. And it is a clear priority for Mrs. Bennet. Obviously, a source of much comedy in the novel as Austin satirises um, women of the day who are obsessed with marrying off their daughters. However, it's got to be said, there is some uh, grain of truth or, or, or um, there's some legitimacy to Mrs. Bennet's concerns because um, the Bennet family are in this unique situation of having this entail whereupon where... Um, Mr. Bennett dies, the house is going to pass to Mr. Collins, the nearest male relative. So Mrs. Bennett, in a sense, feels the ticking clock, the sense that, you know, at any moment, Mr. Bennett could die unexpectedly of an illness. Um, and they, they literally would have nowhere to go and no income to survive upon. Um, so, you know, Mrs. Bennett's concerns, whilst seen as a source of comedy, are also legitimate and, and do point to a, a certain irresponsibility on Mr. Bennett's part that he didn't really make any provision for his daughter he didn't really save anything because he assumed at some point he would have a son which he never did um so that that provides much comedy and and chapter one really sets up this is a priority in the novel um the first line about um a a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a large fortune must be in want of a wife um it's ironic um but obviously it's what everybody wishes were true Uh, mrs bennett as soon as she hears an eligible bachelor thinks Yes, this is the one that Jane's going to marry. Now, as it happens, Jane does um, fall in love with Bingley. The two of them get along very well. And it's through Darcy's intervention, really, that that, um, those plans are foiled initially in the first section of the novel. When we get to chapter 18, the Netherfield Ball, it's sort of commonly assumed 
by everyone that Bingley will propose. Um, and when Darcy realises um, how seriously people are taking this attachment that Bingley has to Jane, he intervenes swiftly to um, go up to London and, and detain Bingley in London and then persuade Bingley that Jane doesn't really care about him at all. He sees the match as inappropriate, not just because of their lower social condition, um, but also because of the impropriety of the Bennett family uh, in their actions, particularly at the ball. Now, at this point, Jane is bitterly disappointed and on two levels. One level because she really loves Bingley, another level for the disappointment this has brought her mother because obviously Mrs Bennet throughout the whole thing you know she sends Jane on horseback to Netherfield when it rains so that Jane will have to stay there and um, she engineers a lot of these situations um, and Mrs Bennet in a sense is just as disappointed as Jane is and keeps talking about oh it all come to nothing um, in a sense rubbing salt in the wound for Jane that she feels keenly that she's disappointing her parents um, as well as herself um, and later in the novel, when all of this gets resolved and Bingley does return and propose to Jane, um, the, one of the first things Jane says is that she's so happy that she's made her mother happy and that she's pleased her parents. And, you know, for, for Jane, it is definitely her own happiness that she's speaking of too, because she does genuinely love Bingley and it's seen to be um, a good match but there's also that element of which she's really happy to please her parents too um, and that that is clearly seen as Jane being one of the typical women idealized women of the Georgian era she's obedient she's got a very um, humble personality and in many ways she embodies what people in those days thought was was ideal behavior now, um, by contrast, Elizabeth um, refuses the first proposal she receives, which is from Mr. Collins, even though it would make her mother very happy um, to be secure in being be able to stay at Longbourn um, and the economic advantages of such a match. Elizabeth cannot get over the fact that Collins is a bit of an idiot. Um, and, and she says to him, you know, my feelings in every respect forbid it she refuses to marry without love um, and she asserts her right to happiness regardless of parental pressure and Collins himself uses it as a threat you know he says I'm sure when when sanctioned by the authority of both your parents you know Collins is sure that the parents are going to back him up and and force her to marry him um, and thankfully they don't because Mr. Bennett has the good sense to say, you know, um, your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins and I will never see you again if you do. Um, and in doing so, um, really takes the wind out of Mrs. Bennett's sails on that one. But really, Elizabeth throughout the novel is determined to secure her own happiness in marriage and not marry without love. And that's really seen as something really admirable because she has to go against the trend of the day um, and then later when Darcy proposes in um, chapter 34 again she refuses on the basis that she can't stand him and he's wronged her sister and he's wronged Wickham in her eyes at this point she won't overcome those things just because he has 10,000 a year um, 
and that's something that Darcy doesn't expect and it, it really shows Elizabeth's integrity her principles about marriage that she refuses to compromise now this is in stark contrast with Charlotte Lucas who basically as soon as Elizabeth rejects Collins engineers a situation where she secures Collins's affections towards herself well by affections we mean a very hasty u-turn and proposal she sees that Collins is desperate to just get married she knows that he doesn't particularly love her um but she's happy with the idea of leaving her family she's 27 she's seen as a spinster now she's seen as on the shelf very unlikely she's going to get any other offers so she makes the best of a bad situation um undoubtedly she does that to please her family in part and they're over the moon with this match you know sir william lucas is very very happy that his daughter is now um married to someone under the patronage of lady catherine de Berg, and he loves the title and rank of this and the fact they get to visit rosings when they go to visit um charlotte when she's married as well you know they love all of that pomp and circumstance there is a sense though in which it it's worth saying charlotte does act in self-interest too um austin says that really she accepted him out of the pure and disinterested desire of an establishment in other words she she knew what she was doing and she did it deliberately to secure her own happiness not in terms of romantic happiness but in terms of security um and you know she enjoys the fact that she has her own home her own parlor she has independence of a means to you know uh, run her own household which she wouldn't have had if she was just you know a daughter living at home so in that sense charlotte does please her family in this match and she also pleases herself even though it isn't um a romantic match and that's i think why i think elizabeth disapproves and austin really um sort of evokes disapproval from the reader as well for charlotte's actions because essentially charlotte is viewing marriage as nothing more than an emotionless transaction and i think both elizabeth and austin want the reader to find that slightly repugnant as an idea now by the time elizabeth finally does get engaged to darcy so much has changed in the situation she's got to know him she sees his good points he has rescued lydia from shame of her infamous elopement with wickham um and elizabeth has realized that she was wrong in her initial judgment of him when that that storyline is resolved and elizabeth does um get engaged to darcy it is for her own happiness it isn't to please her family and it isn't because of his ten thousand a year although one might cynically argue austin gives her a fairy tale happy ending in that she manages to get both the economic security that she needed and the romantic love which she wanted so in that sense you could argue that austin is being idealistic here and giving us as a reader the conclusion that we want from this genre which is obviously romance um we don't tend to associate romance novels with um realism that's for sure um however in the content of the story even though yes there's a happy ending where both 
Elizabeth and Jane um, marry well. I think we've also seen important messages about women women should not have to sacrifice their happiness for pleasing their families which was definitely something that society expected them to do um and I also think it's interesting if you look at Bingley and Darcy because Bingley and Darcy both essentially marry against the wishes of their family I mean Darcy's only family we know of really is you know Lady Catherine de Bourgh and Colonel Fitzwilliam and Lady Catherine de Bourgh makes it very clear that um, marrying Elizabeth um, is is completely out of the question in her mind. She says, are the shades of Pemberley to be thus polluted um, by basically the association with, with Lydia Bennet um, marrying Wickham in very, very um, shameful circumstances? But the point is that Darcy, um, Darcy's love for Elizabeth overcomes the objections of Lady Catherine. And, and ultimately, Darcy moves in the novel from initially proposing to Elizabeth despite her connections, despite her family's position, to actually being the point where he agrees with her standpoint. When she says to Lady Catherine, he is a gentleman. I am a gentleman's daughter. So far, we are equals. Um, and Darcy actually makes that development, that movement towards that place of equality um, much further by the end of the novel too. Bingley too overcomes the disdain of his sisters for Jane's family in Cheapside, um, for example, um, in order to marry the woman that he loves. Um, and really the, the linchpin that, that persuades him to do so is that Darcy realises that Jane does love Bingley and once Darcy says you know he was wrong and that he had tried to separate them and actually Jane does care for him Bingley has no hesitation um, in going against his sister's wishes for his own happiness now it's clear that um, Caroline Bingley wants him to marry Georgiana Darcy because then she sees that their two families would be connected forever it's clear that neither Georgiana nor Bingley are interested in one another in that way and so therefore um you know the desire of, of their own individual happiness does become more important than what people think and I, I do think Austin's making a statement there about the way sometimes we put too much weight on social opinion um in the way that we should act in a way that constitutes our personal happiness um without caring too much about social judgment especially because social judgment can be so fickle Um, and for an example of that you've only got to look at Wickham of course everybody loved Wickham when he arrived and he charmed everybody when the truth came out about Wickham's true character everybody was saying you know the, the man who was formerly painted as an angel of light is now the wickedest um, man sent from hell to hell itself you know society's fickle one minute they'll say one thing one minute they'll say a totally different thing so if you base your happiness on social judgment um you know that's not a firm foundation um so austin is saying characters should be able to pursue what they want um without fear of what society's going to think If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch.
Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.